millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oi, the boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Greg, and Andy, Jimmy, and JC. All we know and all we talk about is booty. Girls in baseball hats never liked me. But then longer, you wore that really small cap, remember, like a few weeks ago? And we were like, who are you? And then you even like blurted out some stuff where like that hat's making you think different. (laughs) Take it off. (laughs) You're defined by the hat, right? That that dictates your personality for the day. So the big brimmed hat, big personality. Gregarious, and mm. then you wear the little uh, sailor's hat, like like Mona <laughs> wore that day, and like this mm-hmm. this diminutive self appears. <laughs> yeah. uh, the opposite of Steve Chang. Although we discussed at the uh, summit last week, we should mention this to the audience. <laughs> Chang Steve. That, well, we're recording, so <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so we, just, we all know who Steve Chang is. Yeah. yeah. We always thought that he was Dan Wong's alter ego. Turns out that Dan Wong is Steve Chang's alter ego. The default <laughs> setting is Steve Chang. Steve Chang and everything that he is and how we exist is the underpinning of the Dan Wong that we know. There's yeah. no Steve Chang. It's just all Wonger. We know. <laughs> we know what I'm do- I just do things, say things like that because it sounds good. Oh, that wasn't me. That was that other, that, that little dark side of me, the devil. <laughs> the devil. There's no, I, the whole thing is just a I don't of know. Mess. I don't, I'm really thinking that your foundations are pinned to Steve Chang. That's what I really believe more and more now. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's fully prime, everyone. So foundational episode number 517. Dan Wong's here. Or is it Steve Chang? Craig Forrest is here. We'll find out. Amy Walsh. I'm James Sharman. Jimmy Brennan should be joining us soon, as should I'm assuming JC. Um, it's pink shirt day. One of us is wearing a pink shirt. Shall we make fun of her? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> That'd be wrong, wouldn't it? Yeah, especially okay. since it's anti-bullying. But okay. Uh, it is a great day, though. Like, what great day? It's a great cause? Is that the... It's yeah. a great message, anyway. Anti-bullying, respect for others, right? Mm-hmm. And in the sports world, it's pretty ruthless, isn't it? Yeah. So I was just wondering if you guys mm-hmm. have any any bullying stories. Were you bullied or were you the bullier <laughs> back in your, your playing days, Craig? I mean, listen, we know how the rooms were. Well, I don't, but you know specifically how the rooms were back in England in the 80s and 90s. I'm sure they've changed somewhat. Would, that, would you call that bullying or banter? Because it's such a fine line sometimes. Yeah, I would say from the coach's point of view and the up above, as a teenager, I would say it was bullying from the coach's not so much from players, sell you on loyalty and all that kind of stuff. Opportunities that they've created for you. You need to sign this contract. Mm. <laughs> from that and position of power, 17-year-old, right? you're like, yeah, okay. I'll sign that 25-pound-a-week contract, living it up, 
<laughs> well, you know what? It's great because we're going to post these photographs that Richard Scott, um, friend of the show, discovered somewhere of Craig mm. signing with Epswich back in the day. And my God, Craig, you were a specimen. <laughs> I was, I was like, Peter Crouch before Peter Crouch. <laughs> you were. You were about 106 pounds, six foot nine. Uh, what Extra small shorts. <laughs> Holy shit. Very small shorts. You were basically yeah. wearing a bikini. <laughs> a mankini. You're not wrong. It was nothing fit. The socks weren't long enough. They come up half calf. And then the shirt, like I remember half actually calf. standing on the shirt, stretching it, trying to get the fucking shirt so the arms would be somewhere near the wrists, but not even close. I re- those jer- those jerseys back then. They were made out of cotton, and every time you put them in the hot washing machine and dryer, they would they would shrink. And by the end of the season, you could hang them from your review mirror on your car. <laughs> <laughs> Just shame. That's amazing. And that was Ipswich, that professional quality, like top level football. That was oh, what the shirts God. were. And Paul Cooper, legendary goalkeeper at Ipswich, he was a little bit on the stocky side, so. Those shirts were like skin tight on him, but the arms fit. At least they were long enough. <laughs> well, we're going to play around later today um, with some 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 video fun. At least Dubs is going to try and, and do this uh, with you, Craig. Okay, and one of the mm. pictures is you actually shaking hands with the Bobby Ferguson. Yeah, who, who's one of the most famous members of this podcast. It's as if he's actually a member of the podcast, actually, right? Yeah, and when you regale some stories about that, that memories of that signing, you have to use the Bobby Ferguson voice at some point. Can you do that yeah. for me, please? Don't fuck it up, Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> Was that what he said to you, to the 17-year-old Forrest? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You Canadian Redwood. I was. I don't think there's Redwoods in Canada, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking questioning me. <laughs> Where's Yallop? Where's fucking Yallop? <laughs> Guys, you're too close together. Was it? I mean, do you remember it well? How intimidating it was when you first went over there at 17. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It was intimidating, all right. Stepping into that room and just, like you said, banter, bullying, whatever you want to call it. No one suffered fools gladly. I'm assuming. No. Well, Craig should also also have been. Did you guys see the who took the picture? It was the Vancouver Sun, and that publication was a national mm-hmm. publication in Canada. And when Craig moved to Toronto, he was also in the Toronto Sun as a Sun boy with his soccer ball, like he's a page three boy. And I, I I've he's been trying. To, yeah. <laughs> so if anybody has any of those photos, Richard Scott. Mm. Because that would be sensational to see him all dressed up in his uh, 2000s garb. We've been trawling for that for since day one. I went. I, I emailed them. I have the email from Toronto Sun. They said, ooh, I don't know if our archives go back that far. It's probably a dusty box in a room in the basement <laughs> of the Sun offices somewhere, right? Like, a, um, like yeah. you know, those police shows when they go into the evidence room, yes. the lockup from years yeah. ago, these, these cold cases. DNA. Yeah. You blew off the top, yeah. <laughs> and you find this old picture of Craig Forrest as a sunshine boy. I, I would I would love hey, Jimmy's here. Hello, everybody. I would love to have been there in the dressing room when Forrest first got over there, like a 17, six foot five. You're still trying to figure yourself out a little bit. And then they get the kit man gives you those shorts and your balls are hanging out. You're introducing yourself to all the players. <laughs> I was going to ask about that actually, Forrest. Like, what's the situation there where you're you're lunging for a save? Where you're doing some athletic shit? Like, are any considerations made for the lunch kit that's going to be exposed? Doing your stretches and just saying yeah. hi to the guys. My poor balls part of your took tactics? took a beating. Could Should have never. What happened? Probably too, or my cycling shorts were too tight. <laughs> <laughs> but there were no cycling shorts underneath those teeny tiny shorts no. that you were wearing in the oh, shows that no. we're going to publish later. White flesh. Oh, yeah. So much yeah. white flesh. 
<laughs> That's tough. Rob's, I mean, surely the Cubs had her magnifying glass out last night, like <laughs> doing the squeeze up. What's going on here? No, I showed JP and the kids. I was like, "Look, look at Forrest," and Campbell was like, "Whoa, how tall is he?" Yeah. <laughs> they were very impressed. It was a winter oh. photo. <laughs> it better have been. <laughs> it's black and white. <laughs> you thought you would have got some, some fluffing involved there, you know, prior to putting those bad boys on. So, when you're wearing those uh, those kind of tight shirts, I mean, that must affect your your play as well, surely, right? Your range of motion. I was thinking about that, <clears throat> and yes, yeah, it it wasn't comfortable. And when it was cold, it was it was brutal. It was brutal to get a little draft up the shorts. Not fun. (laughs) 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 The old rhino skin tightens up pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) The old rugby shirts are at high school in England, and you you play like my my classes and sessions are always like early in the morning on a Friday. And you you play, you know how England is in the winter, just disgusting, right? And and you play rugby and you come back and you're just soaking wet, covered in mud. And, and you just yeah. ball up your kit, put it in a Tesco's bag, stick it in your locker until the next week. Yeah. And then you'd open that locker up. And there were times there was mold on that on that shirt and those shorts. <laughs> and they hadn't been washed all season. And it just like you just like crack them open and try and squeeze yourself into them. It was fun. Do you know funny you say the rugby shirts? Forrest, you're probably the same. We actually trained in rugby shirts. Those color, they were like collared shirts, thick, thick material. And in the wintertime, that's what used to come out for us. And that's what we trained in. Big, thick rugby shirts. Yeah, that's right. I remember those. Yeah. Like meant to keep you warm, but I imagine once they got saturated with sweat or rain or whatever, they were doing, yeah, the opposite. Yeah. They're not like wetsuits. No. What you used to do, though, you would have, uh, like a jersey underneath, like a training top. Then you would put your rain jacket over top of that jacket, uh, over top of the t-shirt, and then you'd put the rugby shirt over top mm. of the rain jacket. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Not anymore, presumably. No, material and everything's completely different now. It's still freezing cold though, right? I mean, you've got to kind of layer up over things still. Well, now if, you're, now if you're training, they got individual guys that run behind you with an umbrella over your head. <laughs> <laughs> you're not far off yeah. hey jimmy we're talking about a uh, pink shirt day um were you the bully or the bullied do you have any anecdotal stories no i was i was i was never never ever 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 the bully never I had no time for it no time for it i got bullied a couple of times by older guys and had to deal with it but it wasn't nice but i, I couldn't i was never like that i hated it like in what context, it. though, were you were you bullied like a hazing type thing or just regular? Just like the older older guys when I was coming into grade nine and that and shooting their mouth off, and they're a lot bigger than I was. And verbally, I'd, we'd go back and forth, and I'm thinking, man, if this guy comes after me, I'm dead. So I better have a good mouth here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I was quick, never. I, I, yeah, it was very quick. I like your mouth. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hope you mean when I speak, Warner. <laughs> Yes, I, that's okay. one of the things. Squeal. But you know, I was, I, I was, I was the guy in school where that uh, I hung out with absolutely everybody, absolutely everybody. You know, as long as you you were you love to have a laugh and a giggle, and you're up for up for fun, then I would hang out with you at your expense. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you were the bully. Yeah. But I would hang out with everybody. Like I wasn't just with the jocks. I'd be with the guys, you know, the, the science geeks, and I'd be with some choir. <laughs> yeah, the right there. I'm yeah. not a bully, but I hung out with the science geeks. The, the science <laughs> geeks, and like the, the theater nerds. Like I hung out with all these people. <laughs> Even the scum, apparently, eh? Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciated that. <laughs> today you you're all a bunch of fucking nerds you. <laughs> you got no one else to be around with today Come on, fucking geek. do my homework no. there you I would, go you're, but nothing, you're fun nothing like that i i generally i'm telling you now if, you, if anybody knew me growing up they'd be the first one to tell you i hung out with everybody in school 
Jimmy's basically talking about the breakfast club. He doesn't remember grade nine. He's talking about the breakfast club. He was, you know, he was the jock in the breakfast club. Emilio Estevez. Was that Molly Shannon? No. Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. Yes. I knew yeah. it was a Mo- Who's Molly Shannon? That's who we were talking about. SNL that we were talking about earlier. Oh, was that who it was? That's weird. Dog show is Molly Shannon. What a coincidence. Well done, Charms' brain. Yeah, it was there. It was still processing what you asked 15 minutes ago without me even mm. realizing it subliminally, yep. subconsciously, subconsciously. Um, okay, yeah, so uh, yeah, so it's Pink Shirt Day, and uh, we knew Dubs was the bully. You want to regale Dubs was the bully. No, I, I do have one, not as it pertains to, to sport, and there was there were always like dodgy situations to do with, uh, you know, initiation and, and stuff that was allowed. But I was usually somebody who was going to not, I don't mean to say like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the person who was the hero, but like, I wasn't afraid to, to say something, you know, even if it was going to be to my detriment um, to protect like the rookies or like the group that I was in with. But like, obviously that's gotten a whole lot better. But when I was in grade two, I had a favorite pair. <laughs> this is like the only time I was bullied. My favorite pair of yellow sweatpants. And I adored these sweatpants. And I wore them so fucking much that I put a hole in the knee. And my mom got a patch and it said Amy. And she <laughs> fixed my sn- my sweatpants. And I continued to wear these. And I mean, I'm just a target for bullies right there, right? But there was this kid named Gary on my bus. You now, if you get pushed and you're wearing a heavy backpack, like you don't stand a chance, right? So this kid, every time I would come onto the bus, he was in grade three and I was in grade two, he would just give me a hard time. He would push me, he would straight arm me, and I would like kind of fall into the seat. And then one day he like came at me and pushed me really hard. So I tipped backwards, fell on my back, backpack on, and he walked over me. <laughs> and I was wearing and I was wearing these yellow sweatpants. And I came home and I had footprints on my yellow sweatpants. My mom was like, what's what's happening? Like, how did I understand having dirty knees, you're playing outside or whatever it is, like, it's just kids playing. But why do you have footprints on your legs? (laughs) So I burst into tears. And I told her about this kid. And we went to Sunday school at the time. And my mom taught this kid, he was a neighborhood kid. And she told him one day, she said, you see that little girl over there? And he was like, yeah. She's like, do you know who her mom is? And he was like, what do I care? And she like pointed to herself. And that kid never bugged me. I like for the rest of his life. And he had actually ended up being friends later on, but that's the only time I was bullied and I didn't have the guts to stand up for myself. So my mom did it for me. <laughs> so your, your mom bullied a, a grade three. No, she just said, back the fuck off. <laughs> she said it like that? No. no. My mom never swore. <laughs> Listen, no. Gary, you little fuck. Yeah. <laughs> See that ginger over there? She's mine. <laughs> yeah. Hands off. It's a good old days when yeah. you could intimidate kids and, have pedophiles yeah. under the court of the street. Yeah. No one would let <laughs> you down. Old days. <laughs> the good old yeah. days. Yeah. I did. I did get bullied when I first went over to uh, to England a little bit, and I'll never forget this. It was a night out. I wore these. I used to have cherry docks. Remember three hole cherry docks? I used oh, to be amazing. Yeah, I love those okay. twelve holes. No, three. And so, you know, I, I love these shoes, and I I saved up for so long to get these things. I used to work in a convenience store, and uh, I got fired because I got caught stealing a bag of chips and chocolate bar. I think I told you that. <laughs> guy, he, he caught me in the fridge. He's no bully, <laughs> he, though. Yeah, no, but it wasn't him. Anyways, I got these shoes. I ended up going over to England. And back in back in the day in England, when you went to a nightclub and you went out with the guys, you had to have black shoes on. Okay? And they wouldn't let you in with running shoes or anything else. It was like black shoes, look smart, pair of slacks, nice shirt. Okay, well, I didn't have black shoes. And I thought the best thing I could do was maybe color my docks in. Okay. <laughs> um, so I colored, I colored my docks with a black marker, thinking it was a permanent, wasn't. And there was a slight drizzle as we were walking to the pub. And as I got into the pub, because it was so dark, the ink started running off, and there was a pool of black ink around my shoes. <laughs> and the red started to come through. And then obviously when the lads look down, they see it. They absolutely abuse me and hammered me. And probably for about six months, every time I got a pair of shoes, they colored them in black with permanent marker. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. funny. 
I just finished watching uh, the start of uh, Kirby Enthusiasm, the new the new season. Have you seen it? No. With the, uh, the, there's a lawn jockey episode, and and he has anyway. I, I won't give it away, but a very similar story to what Jimmy's regaling there. It was Larry David at his finest. He's yeah. the best. Absolutely, mm-hmm. he's brilliant. Um, do you think Rian Wilkinson will will have to stand up and uh, be hazed by her her new charges as Wales national team coach Dubs? What a freaking story. What a moment. As if, if only we knew, right? If only we knew. Yeah, if only we knew and were able to release the news first. Stay Forest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's great, though. It's an amazing accomplishment and good for, for Rian. Um, and Dubs, you've spoken to her. I'll let you uh, give uh, us your thoughts and what it means for broadcast as far as we, we, we know. Yeah, I'm not sure what it means for for broadcast, but um, that's obviously not the most important consideration. The most important thing. Well, is not that- for not for her, but right. for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, she's she's been carrying that show. What are you talking on? about? Yeah, this is about us. Yeah, it's, it's going right in the shitter now. Sorry, Claire, you're coming down with me. Um, no, it's it's been a blast, and she's really enjoyed it as well. So it it. We'll, we'll just see if it, we're able to continue alongside Rian, but I'm just, I'm really pleased for, for my friend because she's, you guys know anyone who's listened to the broadcast or listened to hear her speak. She's incredibly eloquent, um, knows exactly what she wants. Um, her vision is, is clear and it was always that she was going to come back to coaching. And I, so I think Wales has nabbed a really good one. And um, I'm I'm really happy for it because that's where she belongs. That's her true passion. She was uh, working with uh, with Diana and Project Eight to to kind of establish a pathway, and uh, working with with the various teams who were officially in there to to make sure that they're in good stead once this league kicks off. Um, so they are going to miss her. Canada is going to miss her. This is again another bright talent that has sort of had to leave the country to to assume a job and to, and to follow their, their passion and their love. But um, she also joins a, a country where her mom's from, you know, she grew up, she spent some time in Wales, her dad's English. And actually, I think in one of the videos she said, but we won't talk about him. We'll just talk about my mom who's Welsh, <laughs> but her mom, her mom's so chuffed, so pleased for. Her. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that they're in really good hands with Rian. It's going to be difficult, I think right away. And it all happened really quick, but um but yeah, it's good. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what what she can do with that team. How how did it come about? Did she apply for it? Did they come after her? Tell us tell us how it happened. Well, there's a link there because that's where she did all of her coaching badges. Yeah, and I think she's helped the the technical committee sort of consistently since she did that. So over the the past decade, <clears throat> excuse me, she's kept that link there. So I think when that coaching um job was was vacant i'm sure that she was on their radar yeah. and then and went through the the paces and in terms of the interviews and it all happened really quick once she was once she was nominated or once she was sure that she had the job you know it's great to see that you know canadians are getting an opportunity now outside the country because the the, the opportunities here in canada are very very limited and it's a shame in a way for me that we have to lose these individuals because as we all know, there is individuals in this country that probably shouldn't be in positions that they're in right now. And to lose a Rian, to lose a, you got Pat Onstead as well, who's down in the States, Mark Watson, who's down in the States, and now Julian de Guzman, who's now working with New York Red Bull. Like these individuals should be in Canada working with us and promoting our game and developing our players rather than mm-hmm. going elsewhere and developing others. And it's a shame to see in a way, I mean, listen, great for them. You know, career-wise, absolutely brilliant. But these individuals, you'd love to see them in your own backyard developing and flourishing here in Canada. Yep, Carmelina as well. Carmelina as well. Like how, how can she not here? Mm-hmm. It's nuts. I mean, you, you hope, and this I'm sure will be the case, that the, these people, they, they leave, they learn even more, get experience and wisdom, then bring it back at some point to Canada, right? And we benefit down the road. But there just aren't that many opportunities. No. Maybe you fast forward five years and Project 8 has been established and they have all these teams, obviously more jobs available there. Um, do, hey, Dubs, I mean, is from a coaching standpoint within Project 8, do you know, is it very much going to be Canadian focused or will they be procuring the best coaches available? Or 
is it going to be very much Canada from, from the coaching, from the staff up to the players? Well, I would hope, you know, I have talked about this before, that it's a, a league by Canadians for Canadians. But when you when you begin, um, you're hamstrung in a way because you're at the mercy of players who are under contract, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hard to procure, again, the quality that you want on the field, not because the talent doesn't exist here, but you want to have a high level from the get-go. But then the same thing applies to your technical staff, to your admin, to your referees, to all of all of the the staff that you'll need to get up and running at a at a really elite level. So the best case scenario is that you're developing Canadians in these roles, even though they might be green because they haven't had the opportunity to to learn in that type of environment because a professional environment hasn't existed yeah. before now. So maybe I, at the beginning it's 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 a hybrid of sorts and then the vision is that it's by and large or mostly or majority Canadian down the line. Yeah. You know, I think we, when I hear this for Canadians, by Canadians, you, you kind of think about it a little bit and you go, is it, is it really? Because when, when you've got a salary cap and you can only play a certain amount of money, for some reason we have it in our heads that we're going to get these cheap players all around the world that are going to come to our leagues here and they're going to be spectacular and you're going to make a lot of money on them. As if the whole rest of the world has just walked over these gems and not scouted them themselves. Mm -hmm. And instead of going to get these individuals that end up coming here, say from Colombia, say from places in Europe or Asia, if they come here, the Canadian players are going to judge them right away. They're going to judge them right away to see what their standard is. And if the Canadians are better than what those foreign players are, the Canadians will be looking at these foreigners saying, well, then why are you here right now? Because there's a guy down the street in Woodbridge that's better than you. Or there's a girl that's in Vaughn right now that's better than you. And why is she not getting this opportunity when she's better than what you are? And I th- we seem to forget that, that the Canadians have been waiting an awfully long time, awfully long time to have these opportunities to play professional football mm-hmm. and to get a foreigner on par because it sounds sexy. And when that foreigner comes in and doesn't do the job, then the Canadians get pretty pissed off because they're thinking that's you're taking a job away from a, another Canadian. Foreigners that come into the league should be better than what we have so that they can help in the development of the players. Yeah. And I think I think we get it wrong sometimes where we go, let's go get the foreigners because it sounds great and it sounds sexy. Okay. But can't can't you have both? Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can bring in these international players. Um no, as your marquee players at the pretty, beginning. The foreigners have got to be better than what you've got. And okay. if the foreigners come in and they're not as on par or not as good as the Canadians or below the Canadians, then why are they here? And we've seen that an awful lot in the CPL. Okay. Can they, foreigners that come in that aren't good enough. Okay, if they're not good enough, then don't bring them in. Give that job to a, a young Canadian. Give them an opportunity to play. Yeah, maybe I'm not getting it. Like, I, I'm seeing your point. I understand what you're saying about the foreigners, how they have to come in and immediately have to set that standard and be better. Yes. Then the domestic player, I get that to for for the appeal for the like to be that sexy international player, I get that. But it, it you're the core of your of your team and of your roster can still be Canadian. Can you not have both? Or am I Wait. not understanding what you're saying? No, you've you've said it. You can have both, but the foreigners that come in have to be better than the Canadians. If they're not better than the Canadians, then don't sign them because it sounds great that you got an Argentinian player in. But that's that's not a Canadian issue necessarily, right? That is an issue we've seen around the world, right? England have been whining about that for years, especially below the Premier League. You have you have these sexy Europeans coming in who aren't any better than perhaps the the, the kid in the academy, but because he's got a funky name and he comes from uh, Serie B, he gets playing time, right? So I think it's anywhere you go, you find that for sure. It is. It's it's everywhere because at the end of the day, you you end up developing other players rather than developing your own. And you see how many times these players in the academies of these professional teams can't get opportunities because you're right. They're going to go get another player from somewhere in Europe that's probably not as good, but they won't give the opportunity to maybe that young English kid or maybe that Italian kid that's coming through a system in Serie A. They've got to go elsewhere. There has to be opportunities for domestic players in order to grow your game and grow your player pool. Do you think, Jimmy, that sometimes the CPL teams are looking at – trying to win more than develop 
Well, listen, that's that's inevitable. That's what happens. I mean, you can sit here and we can say, you know, we're we're going to develop Canadians and it's for Canadians by Canadians. And but at the end of the day, now when you start getting, no, it's why true. do you hate that so much? No, because you it, wish that you had it, coined it. Is that your no, problem with it? No, it's a false. It's a false premise. It's not for Canadians by Canadians. When you're hiring foreigners from all over the place, it's not. It's not when you don't have you know Canadian GMs. You don't have Canadian coaches across the board. You don't have Canadian players across the board. Like it's if you're going to do for Canadians by Canadians then have it for Canadians. Don't say that. Just say we're a united league and we'll bring everybody in. That's my issue with it all because it's it's a load of bollocks. And I'm all for it, for this Canadian Premier League and for this uh, Project 8. I'm all for it, but I want to see Canadian coaches, Canadian players, Canadian administrators growing and flourishing in this country because we've waited too damn long for this. Too damn long for it. And we've had opportunities where you have good Canadian coaches in this country that are qualified. And I'm not talking about myself. I've, I've coached in that league. But there's other individuals like a Nick Dasovich. No, you're tired about yourself. And, no, no. And certain, <laughs> no, other, no, and certain other, other coaches that could 100% coach in this league but aren't given the opportunity because we think it's more sexier to go elsewhere and bring in a foreign coach. And we've seen these foreign yeah, coaches that are coming in that. And, and they haven't produced. Yet they still have a job. I need to ask a question from all you dummies, or I should say the smartest people in Canada soccer, because um, you are. Wh- whose league should we emulate that looks like Canada and may- maybe it doesn't exist? At 40 million people, soccer is, let's say, lower on the rung as far as sports. Whose system could we say, hey, there's something to emulate. There's something to, there, there's already a paradigm out there that we could copy both on men's and could be men's and women's. Like they could be of different countries, but there's got to be, you can't just go into this not looking at history. And as soon as you do a business plan, you have to look around and look at market cap. And we talk about market cap. Craig and I were just talking about it the other day. Market cap allows you to grow, allows you to, uh, set goals across. And, you know, one of the things we talked about at our summit was market cap in Canada. One of the things we need to do is expand internationally, have other, while still keeping our core. So part of that is what cu- country, if anybody knows, or what system, if anybody knows, would be the most logical for Canada to start utilizing. I would say Australia is, is probably yeah, the one. I was going to say, yeah. But the Aussie government give a shit about sport and have invested mm-hmm. so much money into it. But there's so many comparisons because listen, soccer wasn't number one, right? Rugby and cricket yeah, were and probably still are number one and two. And Aussie rules, obviously, in, in Australia, they've got their own domestic league. It's been around for a while now. I'm not sure how strong it is, quite honestly. They still bring in some, some aging players. It's more MLS, I think. It's kind of the the... the what they're trying to base it on more than CPL, for example. But you look at their national team, it's pretty decent, right? But it's not that much better than Canada. No, but it compares in terms of uh, the population size, in terms of the the geography and the issue that you're you're fighting against there and like how much money that would cost you. Um, but I think what Project 8, the advantage, you know, despite coming so late to the party, is that you can take a look at these leagues worldwide um, whether there there's an easy comparison or not, say with Australia, and you can take you know mistakes, missteps that those leagues had to deal with and navigate, and then immediately you're starting off in, on better footing because you've learned, as it were, from the mistakes these other leagues have made. And then Wonger, to your question, I don't know if this compares. I mean, the cultures is so different in terms of how um, most people view the sport. But what Mexico got right, and you saw Mexico look really lively, really impressive the other night. They beat uh, the U.S. 2-0. What they've, after sort of faltering on the, on the international stage for, for a while, they've, they've looked kind of uninspired. They have had issues with, with coaches and stuff like that and, and, their, and their roster and their player development. But their league, they're doing something right. So after uh, the, Mexico pulled out of player allocation in NWSL, Canada also pulled out a few years after that. They made a, a women's league MX. And for the first, you'll have to fact check me on this, but at least three or four years, it was just domestic. They did not accept international players. 
So that cohort there, and they also had initiatives for um, youth players, say like U23, um, probably similar to what CPL has based on minutes or just how they had to fit into that roster. Um, So that generation now that benefited from that, say in like 2018-ish, are coming now to the national team. So you get the benefit of being in that professional environment day in, day out, and having that challenge playing against senior players um, where you're not competing against these international players who are coming in and quote unquote stealing spots. So there, there's something I think to to learn from there. Like, is that the the model that we espouse or, or um, you know, uh, take, take on in, in Canada? Probably not, because uh, I don't think it's realistic. But are there elements of that that we can use? Absolutely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think with the the CPL, and don't get me wrong, I think the CPL has done a a very, very good job in building this, this league and putting you know, restrictions, stipulations into this league to make it better. You know, the under 23, I thought was a fantastic idea. You had to have young Canadian players playing a certain amount of minutes. It's only going to help, help our our player pool and Canadians get stronger. I love what they've, they've done overall. Yeah. They've made a few mistakes along the way, but I think a lot of it came from our neighbors to the South and MLS. They've done a lot of studying. They've, they've watched that league carefully, the growth of that league, when they were in a little bit of turmoil where teams were folding like Tampa Bay and Miami. And uh, they were on the brink of, of pretty much folding. There was actually one owner, I think it was, that had like six teams at one point. But they they stuck with it. And look where MLS is today. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time, a little bit longer for the CPL to finally get where it is today. But I think MLS and other leagues around the world have helped the CPL get to where it is today simply because they we've learned from mistakes of the past of other other nations. But it's a fine line, right? Because you do need to have better quality players to compete against domestic-based players for them to improve, right? It's all very well saying have all Canadian players, right? And we've got this, this group, this pool of players, and there's some really good ones, some not so good ones. But you do want to have, no matter where they come from, better talented players to push those, those, those other players, if you're playing against crap all the time, you're not going to improve, are you? So there is kind of that fine line. Um, next Wednesday, I've booked uh, York United's new owner, Ricardo Pascal, onto the show. He's Lovely a really guy. interesting guy. Yeah, great guy. Great nice guy. guy. And really interesting, right? Um, comes from Mexican football. I asked him, actually. I met with him last week briefly. And I just said, so do we expect to see a Mexican feel to York United now? Is that the plan? And he goes, no, absolutely not. That won't be the case. He wants it to be a Canadian identified team players coaches everything about it that's the plan for this in the long run so we'll get him on the show next week because it's interesting a guy coming from a football culture investing in canadian football firstly why you know explain to us why um and what is the plan for york because what what did you mean about starting a podcast and leaving us yes (laughs) ostensibly yes and actually ricardo's a big uh, listener of the show he loves us yeah yeah he is has done for a while now you know, I'm 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 excited for him, and I I hope he genuinely does very very well. He's here for the right reasons. He's moved his family here, which is good to see. You know, someone that's invested with it with a club to to pick pick up the family, move. I think he's living out in Oakville, and so he's going to be hands on. He'll be there every day, uh, working with the staff, making sure that the club's built right. Um, so I, I do. I hope I hope he does well because he is genuinely here for the right reasons. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on, shall we? Um... Holland scored five goals yesterday. 
in, in the FA Cup as City just smashed Luton 6-2. Not just that, but Kevin De Bruyne had four assists. He now has 11 assists in 12 games since returning from six months out. I mean, I, I don't know where to begin with this one. How about this one? So five goals. What, what is the... I think BBC were talking about this earlier today. Uh, what is the greatest offensive striker performance you've ever witnessed as a player? Craig, Andy Cole had five against you, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I didn't want to bring it up, but it, it is very fitting, right? Was that the greatest centre-forward striker performance you'd ever witnessed? Um, well, it wasn't like they were like, all like outstanding goals. I don't remember any of them being spectacular other than rebounds and smashing it in for six yards. He's just in the right spot at the right time. Um, but yeah, I guess overall, anybody that scores five goals in a game is probably the one. And Pep kept him out there. He didn't take him off. Probably searching for that sixth goal, which you just don't see. You do see fives right every now and again. Dubs, do you remember seeing a six-goal performance by a striker in your playing career? No. I, I was thinking, like, I played with a girl named Kim Angusser, who up until last season... Um, Eleanor Dale broke that record and she's now playing with Everton. So she went from University of Nebraska and she was signed to, to Everton in the WSL. She broke it. I mean, it was a 20 year record. So she's one of these strikers who could just finish. Like if she's anywhere in the box, left footed, right footed, she's going to finish. So she must have, I think one time she got a five goals, but I, and sometimes we would like run up the score ridiculously. So if you're going to have an output like that, it was probably in the NCAA. I don't think, uh, you know, even in, oh, you know what? Silvana <laughs> Bertini in Centennial say. Stadium, we set a world record. Who are we playing? Puerto Rico, maybe? And we won 21 nil. 21 nil. That's I just Silvana. I think, and in, Richard, please fact check me. I think she scored nine goals. Jesus. Okay, right. dubs, dubs. As a, as a, as a <laughs> sports person. That. A sports person. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Is that on-field bullying, Sharms? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Performative. Dubs is mean, being performative wearing that pink shirt. She was the yeah. bully. Yeah. What's I'm problem? not walking the talk. He's, he's laughing about it. I wonder if the 18th goal went in. They were like, yes. Yeah. We <laughs> were celebrating like the state. Remember State Speed Thailand? I think it was 13 oh, Thailand. Dicks. And they were celebrating each goal as if they won the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, but, but surely the coach at some point says to the okay girls, "That's enough." Yeah, don't don't you twenty one nil dubs? Come on, at least eight passes before a shot or something. <laughs> we <Yeah>. were Jesus. <laughs> Still, they were that bad. They was were very very poor. Yes, you feel the other thing it, is, it's Dubs, awful. Did you it's score? A feeling. No. <laughs> out of those twenty one, you didn't get you didn't get one out of twenty one. No Not one. <laughs> I think I and I played the whole game. <laughs> How do you not get one? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a defensive when, midfielder. Um, your teammates got nine of them, I suppose, right? It kind of cuts the odds. Yeah. But, I mean, Savannah, stop talking ball. Yeah. Explain it to me. Like, I just don't understand how you get 21. I mean, you can't call the game and you've got to have, you know, keep playing football, I suppose, to a certain degree. There is integrity, right? You can't just, you know, not try. But I just don't know how. Why wouldn't you? Do you, do you purport? Do you agree to call games and say that enough? The mercy rule is should that be something or at that level? No, no, it's an international game. It was it's called not, a qualifying. That was a qualifying game. Yes. What's that the, like? A goal the U.S. Or? So the, it was a '98. The U.S. had already qualified because they were hosting the '99 World Cup. So we we won Concacaf that that year for the first time because the U.S. weren't fucking in it, and we uh, we just rolled. Can't remember. I think it was probably Mexico that we beat in the final. What's that? A goal every four minutes? Every four and a half? I don't know. Why are we doing math? It's a lot of goals. Because I'm thinking like every like four minutes. That's a goal. That's Jesus Christ. Three touchdowns. They were very poor. Well, that's an embarrassment. That, that, that's the one thing I, I when I saw that Mexican result, I was like, oh, I was pleased for them. But at the same time, I'm like, man. The, the gap is closing and closing and it's going to get harder and harder yeah. for Canada because now all of a sudden you got a country that if they take women's football seriously, we're in a fucking world of hurt. Yeah. 
they're going to dominate us. They got, they have the resources. They have the, you know, the the clubs that can support them. They can subsidize them if they need to be. Well, they go through it and they develop them. This is not good for Canada necessarily. It's not. No, oh, that gap's been closing for like the what the last five years since women's oh. professional soccer has absolutely taken off. I think Diana mentioned that when when they she first announced Project Eight. I think her and Sinky were talking about that. That we need to have a domestic league here. We have to. Because the gap is getting closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And without that, it's going to get closer and closer before we know that we're irrelevant. Well, you you look at the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, the last one. It was so enjoyable to watch. The, the football was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show you, like around the world, everybody is getting better and better and better. And this, the bar is raised. And if we don't look after ourselves here in Canada with our women's program, we are in trouble. We are going to fall so far behind because... You know, it's it's not one of these, you know, a 15-year plan for these countries now. It's a quick turnover. And these players are, they're doing it right now. They're spending a lot of money within these organizations to get these players where they should be. But that being said, that Mexico result, I mean, is it a case also of the states have qualified? They're also kind of waiting for, for Emma Hayes. Is it is it is it Twila Kilgore, the interim coach? Twila, is it Twila Kilgore? I mean, interim coaches... I'm not saying this is a reason why they lost the match and they might still win this tournament. They're still favorites, the States. But playing for a, you know interim coach, knowing that the, the, the big boss is coming surely in this kind of tournament, I mean, you can, you can dismiss that result as not being necessarily uh, an outlier. You can dismiss it as not being an outlier? Well, so as being an outlier, sorry. Oh, yeah. Double negative. Um, yeah, I was like, wait. It's confusing the fuck out of me. We did math earlier today. What am I agreeing to? We're thinking too much here. I can't not agree. Pinocchio in Shrek. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that. Do I not want to see who it is where I wasn't? (laughs) Anyways. Isn't that Jerry Seinfeld? No. No? Okay. All right. No, I think it's, uh, you know, you saw... Um, under Andonovsky and then the poor, I mean, historically poor, they never had a, a worse uh, sort of outcome or result at a, at a Women's World Cup when they crashed out. And I think it was sort of a call to action. It was a wake-up call for them. Part of the reason why Emma Hayes is being brought in. But, you, you know, you look at the, the balance of the roster and like an, an aging kind of generation. Rapino's already retired. I think Alex Morgan is becoming less relevant in that roster um, Lindsay Horan takes over the armband and she's made some comments and we talked about it, about the fan base and she's getting absolutely fucking hammered for it on, on socials as she should. But I mean, you know, looking at the mix in that midfield, what type of style do they want to play? I mean, it's, it's clear that Kilgore and Hayes are on the same page and there's a plan, but they can't really execute it. It, it never looks cohesive. Um, I think the, the back line, I don't know if you saw the first goal that Mexico scored. I mean, they were putting, they were pressing, they were dynamic, they were lively, and they were really on the front foot. And then the U.S. was definitely just trying to weather the storm. Um, but the first goal, um, I think Nair comes out and it's Sauerbrunn tries to clear it. It hits the hits the striker and then she's back to goal and she puts this beautiful kind of chip because Nair comes out to challenge her. And she scores that, but that wasn't their only opportunity. They weren't just this team that was trying to capitalize on the transitional game. Like they were all over the U.S. and they weren't able to cope. So I think, I don't think it's just an outlier. I think it's, you know, what what Forrest is saying, that that gap is closing and this generation is is coming up from Mexico that's really highly talented. And they're going to challenge in, in CONCACAF and they're going to challenge against the best teams in Common Bowl, which we're seeing with this with this W Gold Cup. Um yeah, so I think the, the – no, I don't think teams fear the U.S. the way that they used to. I really don't think they, that they do because they know that they can they can look them in the eyes on, on that pitch and they can stand toe-to-toe with them, with them, which they couldn't do before. They could maybe just hang on and, and hope for that goal and then, and then defend in numbers and, and park the bus. But now they're actually open play. We can hang and we can beat you. And so they've lost a little bit of that, of that swagger and, and a little bit of the shine. Sia Tana Bonmati was talking about uh, Spanish soccer and how it hasn't changed anything since winning the World Cup. Yeah. She says that uh, you know other countries, you've got England, for example, win Euro, fill out stadiums now, you know, more money in the game, but in Spain, nothing has changed whatsoever. So kind of sobering. 
depressing. Um, Wonga, yeah, do you have any uh, Monga whale sacks to get to? We, we, we do uh, have a few. We do have a few. The fr- but I wanted to just touch on uh, Canada plays uh, Costa Rica tonight, or sorry, Wednesday night, depending on when you're listening to this. So on Fubo TV, uh, catch that. And the other thing, uh, Kevin Adian asked a really good question, and it's: uh, Have you ever been on a team with a toxic dressing room, and how do you survive and ultimately? resolve the problems so that's kev j at kevin adian thanks you have for the a summit question. you have a summit and, and you put it you lay it all out there on the table Order burritos <laughs> <laughs> what is the most toxic rooms you guys have been involved in craig is the one i mean or the maybe they've all been positive but the least positive i wasn't really in a toxic dressing room you always had one or two guys but yeah, no, I don't remember anything overly toxic. When you're losing and you're down a relegation zone or in those sort of yeah. situations, it really you see a lot of what uh, character guys are built with, really. Um, so it can get a little angry, but I wasn't really in a toxic dressing room overly. No, with Canada either, like with the, nope. the nonsense above the players, no. Oh, no. I mean, all, overall, we, we loved it. We loved it. We knew it was a nightmare, and we just sort of dealt with it and sort of did our own thing. And I think that's probably the same with the with you guys, Amy, with the women's program. Like, at the end of the day, we loved what we did. It was frustrating what was happening above, but we loved playing for our national team. Yeah, same. I think I was never in a locker room where it was – overwhelmingly toxic it's just as, as Forrest said there were one or two and you had to snuff it out um otherwise it would you know it got clicky um I was just speaking to some U14 U15 girls teams about this on the weekend that especially with young girls these these tall poppies your most confident best players instead of getting celebrated and named captain the way that they are um usually on boys teams they get cast aside, they get ostracized and they get kind of chopped down because the other girls don't like it. And so I was talking about how, you know, you, you have a more inclusive a more open environment. And if you see a behavior that you think is going to be negative, then you talk about it and you, you keep it open and you keep an open dialogue between mm-hmm. all of the players, but also the coaches, because if that dressing room is wrong, even at that age, then the on-field product can never be right. Hmm. And you always got a problem with the players that aren't playing and somebody that's out of favor and they're always moaning about, you know, I got to get a move. I want out. I don't like the manager. And that, so managers always deal with that. I mean, we talk of like Klopp, he talks about, you know, you hire and fire guys every weekend, you know, you, the ones that you pick, they like you. And the ones that you don't pick, they're, they're not big fans of you. And that's, just how you deal with it week in, week out. You rehire them on Monday and then you fire them again on Saturday and then do it all over again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jimmy, any uh, teams stand out to you? No, just just like what Forrest is saying, like it's it's the guys that aren't playing um, that have fallen out of favor that maybe have a year or two left on their contract. They're the ones that are in the dressing room that are moaning, that are complaining, out in the pitch, not really working as hard. You know, first to dismantle anything that the manager's trying to trying to talk about or or, or preach. Um, those those are the guys, and you know exactly what he's what Forrest said again was like, you know, the the eleven take care of themselves. It's the players that that aren't playing. Those are the ones that you've got to look after. Those are the ones that you got to keep on your side. And even if you don't want to play a, a player and you don't like them, you know that you've got to kind of keep them close to you as as close as possible because if the player switches, he can turn that dressing room real quick, really, really quick. So it's a, it's a tough situation, and, and that's where your, your staff and, your, and you as a manager and your, your leadership group, they've got to keep on top of things. And as soon as they can sense that there is a little bit of a cancer in that dressing room, you have to address it quickly. It can turn very, very ugly. Because then what happens is the guy that's not playing, he gets the next guy that isn't playing as well. And those two start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then they find somebody else that just got binned and it's all, oh, come here, you sit with us now. 
Mm. And then it just goes pear-shaped. So you, you've got to address it right away and keep keep those guys that aren't playing very yeah. close to you. That's why that open dialogue and open communication is is essential. You have to have that. And players have to feel valued no matter how much they're contributing. And that comes from the coach, but it also comes from, you know, your your penciled in starters and how those like that 11, if it's or, you know, 13 or 14 players who are usually getting most of the minutes, how they're relating to the other players and how, you know, you as a coach, everybody's together. And no matter what you're doing, you're 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 feeling like you're 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 having a meaningful contribution to where the team's headed. And that comes Mm -hmm. from the staff. It comes from the coach and it comes to everybody who's around the team. Yeah. Like I've played, I've played in some where, you know, the, some teams where the, the manager, I mean, back then you said they used to bin you completely. You go train with the youth team and it does get quite annoying at times because that individual's constantly complaining. And if I'm playing week in and week out and he's hammering the manager all the time, I get along with the manager, manager's picking me, I'm playing. <laughs> right. So I, I don't want to hear your bullshit. I don't want to hear your complaining. And then you start getting these little divides and rifts in the, in the, in the dressing room as well that, it's so bad at times, but I mean, I've never had it where it's blown up and the whole dressing room is just one big cancer. I've never had that. I've had individual players that, that try to bring it down. And to be fair, the managers have, have moved them on as, as quick as they could. Have you been in a team where uh, the best player, the, the dominating player, is a bit of a dickhead? And you have to kind of say, oh, just put up with him because Dub's already had a knowing smile there. It's like, it's, it's like <laughs> yeah. there's that, you know, the bubble. She had the bubble, the 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 cartoon bubble with the light bulb in it. Like it was like I don't. <laughs> you don't need to mention names here, although I'd love it if you did. Chastain so, Brandy. Have you been through that before, though? Yeah, I have. I mean, a guy like Paolo Canio was really difficult to to manage. And Harry brought him in for a million pounds, and that was a that was a bargain considering how good he was. But nobody wanted to touch him. But he was a difficult man to uh, to manage. Was he yeah, difficult he to get along money. with off the field too, Craiger? Not from the players' standpoint. No. I mean, he he blew up a couple times and at halftime here and there. And when he was upset, uh, he took the club car and he. He was going to go to Italy and he just parked the car outside of Terminal 3 at Heathrow and got out and went to Italy and just left the car there. And then fucking West Ham got a call from the airport security. One of your cars registered to West Ham United is sitting empty outside of Terminal 3 and it's a, a major security risk. Oh, fucking hell, it was Paolo. <laughs> fucking <Jesus. list. laughs> yeah, that was Paolo. Yeah. Any other examples? Jimmy, Dubs? Fucking legend. Probably Nigel Quasi used to make me laugh because he kind of fell out of favor a little bit at uh, at Forest. Nigel Quasi. Was his nickname Quasimodo? So anyway, Nigel fell out of favor at at Forest. And him him and David Platt, they used to go at each other all the time. And I'll never forget this. I just hear them yelling in the corridor. And then all of hears, oh, go fuck yourself, codhead. So Quasi used to call David Black codhead. <laughs> Why? I remember you saying this before this like story. He looks a little bit like a cod. And I, I was in the dressing room, and when I heard that, fuck, we were on the floor. I was dying, and just in comes a dressing room, Quasi. <laughs> fuck him. I've had enough of that guy. Godhead. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that's some good answers to uh, uh, one of uh, Munger's whale sex. Any more you want to get to, Munger? Well, the the other one I wanted to is our our friend, and I think you mentioned it before. Um, our friend uh, Pugs Wizard made a comment, and he's back. So Ooh. I just wanted, yeah, or she remember. could be a she. It could be a she. We think it's um, Dubs. You know, <laughs> it's, it can't all be me, Charm. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. I've got the burners. I'm like the fucking asshole <laughs> criticizing the pod. I can't be all of them. <laughs> so basically, it's based off our. Uh, I don't know why I came up with the floss off and the. No, no one knows why. The, the, the skin, skin tag, tag it's, collecting. Yeah, it's uh, skin tag <laughs> collecting. I think it was based around our 500th episode around there or something. But um, it's Wonger. <laughs> he goes five. She goes. They go. Five stars. Wonger, you are disgusting. 
Dub's, <laughs> Dub's vegan broccoli is more appealing than your floss off. Jesus H. Christ. And that was the end of that. Comment. That's a good review. But five stars. Five five stars. stars. Thank you, Bugs uh, Wizard. It was disgusting. We pulled him back into the fold. And Jimmy had <laughs> a pinfold. <laughs> Jimmy had like a, a physical reaction to the to some of that comments yesterday on the dark web. Yes. Yeah, he did. So yes. I like that. Your I like comments that. we should just to, to clarify your Look, comments. You guys, the dark web. you guys travel down the road of 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 funny and and punish and all this kind of stuff i like to get right to the disgusting it makes yeah, me it, laugh it did make me feel sick <laughs> <laughs> i do i get to uh we'll do the next pod i want to get to cascadia dream uh they asked us uh about what is the worst or best food they've had when playing Ooh, abroad yeah, that because was there was one. that video um cascadia dream sent to us from uk about it looked like a gravy, gravy mountain boat. Oh yeah, mashed potatoes. It was apologetically. I forget. Who, I forget. As, the as, whole. As, yeah, at Cascadia Dream. Those the actual unapologetically apologetic. Yeah, he's the one who sent it to us. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as Cascadia Dream is the actual address. Oh, the, I see. Uh, the the Twitter handle. Oh, I so, see. I'm sorry. You can change your anything, name. Was there anything better as a kid? Fuck off. Thumbs up. Mate, then <laughs> taking your mound of mashed potatoes and and. Like scooping a hole out of it and out of it and putting the gravy into it. We didn't have gravy. What kind of rich family did you grow up in? <laughs> gravy. <laughs> Gravy's pretty cheap. There's drippings when you <laughs> yeah. cook meat and then you had water or stock meat? and you have Who gravy. Had meat? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had a potato and salt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that one. I think you were fed very well. I was. You had your family in the business. Well, we were just, you know what, one, we didn't, I think we're all like, all come from the same type of families, except from private school charms. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, so we always had, school. we always had food on the table. We had a loving family. And when we celebrated, food was always abundant. Um, we didn't go on trips. You know, if it was a trip, it was everyone gets in the car and drives 12 <laughs> hours somewhere. And you're like, this is acid. <laughs> this is not good you know Poor water. So I, no i loved my life it's a great life <laughs> fuck it got to see all I'm, sorts of things didn't you i was spoiled with love and, and weirdness <laughs> and bipolar affection yeah right <laughs> that's nice well, he loves cuddles yes exactly. a slap in the head's as good as a hug yeah. <laughs> okay well, it's a busy week for footy prime dubs uh, recorded her Montreal three questions yesterday. I'm actually taking my dogs for a walk now, Dubs, and we'll be listening to it. I will listen already, Dubs. So very, very great. Thank you. Yeah. And we're recording later today. We're recording uh, the Vancouver and the TFC three questions. That'll be uh, this evening. And we have uh, MLS box to box being recorded on Friday. Yes. And actually drop uh, in the afternoon uh, after yeah. News and Dubs. Which is still news and dubs. We keep talking about changing that name. We'll get to dubbed. it at some point. We've got a few things. We've got a few dubs things in the news. Go. That's down. <laughs> she wants top billing. Renaming Friday's yes. part is way down the list of priorities. Oh, I've right given now. her. I give it her thoughts. <laughs> but yeah, check those out. Make sure you you like them and subscribe and listen. Or, or don't. I don't care if you listen or not. Just like and subscribe. That's Download. the most important thing, really. You, Download. Yeah. Follow yeah, our YouTube. Us. We're growing our YouTube channel, and we are committed. To way more video. We are footyprime.com. That's right. That's our, uh, as Wonga called it in a meeting yesterday, our digital gateway. I think you called it. I did say or something front door. like that. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was good. That's where all our stuff's going to live and we're going to build it as time goes on. So anything you guys want to send us as well, we'll, we'll stick up there as well uh, as time goes by. So uh, thanks so much. Uh, Footy Prime is the podcast, of course. Uh, Tony Bet. .ca is where you should sprinkle your hard-earned money and all the games coming up this week and this weekend. And, of course, watch the Prem and a lot of other football on Fubo TV. And just last thing, our Tony Bet community pick this week, we're going to choose, it's a toughie, United versus City. So please take part in that poll. Uh, we're putting five. Is, we're is still not sure. Yeah, I wanted to choose a, a tough one because you'll get more payoff. But, uh, you know. We're, we're still choosing a charity. I think we've narrowed it down. I'm going to throw a couple out next time, but I'm big into a mental health 
And I know Sharms has been looking at the blood, doing a lot of work for the blood services. Maybe it's that's something we can do. Blood. Blood. Um, and maybe a third one. So let's see what we can come up with. Uh, all good conversation. There's some great diseases out there. Yeah, and syphilis. Syphilis and gonorrhea. I don't know why I find that so funny. It's so wrong. It's so bad. (laughs) No, but it's like he wants to support the disease. (laughs) So we got to find out how to make this disease spread. (laughs) Well, we got to fight against disease. (laughs) Sex education. We got to fight against that. We got to fight against condoms. No condoms. No condoms. No, we have a Catholic sex. church here. Yeah. Join the Catholic church and spread sexual disease. There you go. Perfect. Sorry, Jim. All right, this is Footy Prime, and uh, it was a good show today. It was quite a serious times, but we've ended on a high or a low. Until next time, cheers for listening. This episode of Footy Prime has been brought to you by Fubo TV and by Tony Bat. Make sure to subscribe to Footy Prime wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Footy underscore Prime and on Instagram at Footy Prime IG. And visit wearefootyprime.com and sign up for our newsletter. Keep buying newspaper. Timber Tiders, Mondays, 10 o'clock. You guys are fun. He's always lurking somewhere, isn't he? <laughs> he was. He's been lurking the whole time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.